Good morning, everybody. Doing well? Have a good week? It's going to get better. The year of abundant overflow. It's got to get better. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Open your Bibles, first of all, this morning to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Very, very familiar scripture. Verse 2, God speaking to Abram, which you know he later changed his name to Abraham. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Say that with me, and I will bless thee. Say it again, and I will bless thee. That was not only God's promise to Abraham, but also his promise to Abraham's seed. I will bless you, and I will bless your seed. And then the Apostle Paul picks up on this in Galatians chapter 3 and says that if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I have the right to expect to be blessed by God just as much as Abraham had that right. Why? Because I'm the seed of Abraham in my generation. You're the seed of Abraham in your generation. So that means that promise is still good today, still good for his people today. So how many of you consider to be one of God's people? Let your neighbor say, I'm one of God's people and I have every right to be blessed just like my father Abraham. I truly believe there's nothing more enjoyable to God than blessing his people. Well, Brother Jerry, if he likes it so much, why isn't he blessing me? Well, maybe you're the problem. (laughs) I truly believe there is nothing more enjoyable to God than blessing his people. Now, I know that's, that's true with every good father. Fathers like blessing their children. Fathers like doing good things for their children. I know I do. Amen. You ask my children and they'll tell you, our daddy loves us. <laughs> Amen. Because love is not just words, it's action. You know. And I love doing things for my children. Uh, even though they're grown and got their own families, I still love doing things for them. I still love blessing them. You know, and you've heard me say this before, but when they were real little and, and uh, I was just launching out into this ministry traveling all over the country, endeavoring to establish the ministry. I'd get ready to leave home, and usually they were both still asleep. And I'd walk into their rooms, and and I'd have a little envelope, and I'd, I'd write on the outside of it, pocket change. And I'd put it on their end table. I'd wake them up, kiss them, tell them, uh, Daddy's leaving, I'll be back in a few days, and I left you some pocket change. And it truly was change, <laughs> you know, just whatever I had. And, uh, and then, of course, the Lord continued to bless us, and I never stopped doing that. So I'd put that envelope on there, and the uh, amount that I would leave would increase. Amen. Amen. I still like doing that for them today. You know, they come to the house sometimes and I say, uh, daddy's got you some pocket change. Well, it folds now. 
you know. <laughs> and I still love doing that. And sometimes they'll say, Daddy, you don't have to do that. We, we got our own lives and everything. I said, yes, I do. I'm your daddy. I'll always be your daddy. I don't care if I'd be 110 and you're whatever your age is. I'm still going to bless you. Amen. I love blessing my children. I love blessing my grandchildren. Amen. And now I've got a grand, great-granddaughter I love blessing. I, in fact, Rachel sent me a picture the other day. I bought her this purse, a Louis Vuitton purse, right after she was born. And now she's carrying it around. And she sent a picture to me, and she's standing there with that Louis Vuitton purse. And I knew what she said. Papa, I'm ready to go shopping. You know? I love blessing my children. I love blessing people. Amen. It's what to do, man. It's what to do. <laughs> Amen. I'm always looking for opportunities to bless people. Amen. And uh, I got that from hanging around, running with God, my Father. He's always interested in blessing us. God is not the one withholding. He's not the thief. The thief, Satan, comes to kill, steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, not only have life, but enjoy life. Life is more enjoyable when you're blessed. Isn't that true? When you're blessed by God. So don't ever forget that God enjoys blessing his people. It's one of his greatest joys. Now, sometimes Christians overlook the fact that God's blessings are conditional. Well, I lost my crowd. God's blessings are conditional. Amen. You know, even when my children were growing up and, and uh, I'd, I'd promised to do something for them, usually there was a condition. You don't do that? Yes, you do. Don't look at me at that tone of voice. <laughs> you know, uh, my dad would tell me when I was growing up, now, son, I'm, uh, you know, when he got me my first car, said, now, son, because he knew me, because <laughs> I was taken after him, because <laughs> he was always racing, but he did it legally, <laughs> you know, on a track somewhere. But I don't know, it's just more fun in the streets. You know, he said, no, son, if I, 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 I'm getting you this car, but if I catch you racing it, I'm going to take the keys away from you. So there was a condition of enjoying that car. And I enjoyed that car. It was a hot 57 Chevrolet. Amen. And you just, you just, you just got to test it sometimes. You know, you just, you know, why you have all that horsepower and never tap into it. So, you know, I'd have to test it sometimes, but my dad always caught me, especially when I was in high school and, uh, I'd come home and dad would still be up and, uh, I'd walk through the den on my way to my bedroom and dad would be sitting there usually in the dark, just waiting for me. And he'd say, did you beat that 64 Impala? I said, what's 64 Impala? He said, the one you raced on West 70th Street after you left the Dairy Queen. 
I said, Dad, how do you know these things? He said, son, I work on every cop's car in this town. They all know your car and they call me and say, Jerry's racing again. (laughs) I'd reach in my pocket and get the keys because that was the deal. If I catch you racing in the streets, I'm taking the keys away from him. I'd walk over there and hand him the keys. And I'd think, oh man, I got to ride that stupid school bus tomorrow. (laughs) And I got the hottest 57 Chevrolet in town. And I'm grumbling all the way to my room, thinking that I had to ride that school bus. And I'd get in bed, and my light would come on. And my dad would stand over my bed, and he'd say, boy, that thing will run. When his son, he pitched the keys back to me. <laughs> my punishment would last all of 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> well, I told Jerry Ann when she got her first car. And Jerry Ann, I'm going to get you this car. But if I catch somebody else driving it, if you let somebody else drive it, because I don't insure other people, I'm insuring you. And I don't want you letting anybody else drive it. And if you do, I'm going to park it. Well, she went out the first day. Daddy, can I, can I go show my friend? Sure. And the first day, and she's coming right down Main Street Crowley. And uh, I had to go to town one day, or that same day. And I'm, I'm going down into Crowley. She's coming out of Crowley. And I I mean, I can't help but recognize the car. I just bought it. And some boy's driving it. She's sitting in the passenger seat. And when I saw her, I I waved. (laughs) And she went, and then when she raised her head back up, I said, she knew what I meant. Take it to the house. She, she lost her ability or privilege to drive her new car in less than an hour. <laughs> we parked it by the shop back there, and I took the keys. And I gave them back to her in about 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but there was a condition, okay? It's not uncommon for parents to give their children conditions. You know, I mean... Uh, certain things that that I wanted to do, the condition was, if you make good grades. Anybody ever told your children, if you, if you make good grades, then yes, that'll happen, or I'll do that for you, or I'll get that for you. So why would we have a problem if we do that? Why would we have a problem if God does that? Yeah, but brother, we're under grace. Grace does not mean you can live any way you want to and expect to be blessed. That's not what grace means. Amen. The Bible says we are saved by faith through grace. Grace got us in. Amen. But grace does not give us the right to live any way we want to live and expect the blessings of God to come on us. You know, I have a big problem with some of the grace teaching today. Because people think that's a license to live any way they want to live. And, you know, we're already forgiven. Well, we are forgiven. But at the same time, you will notice that that little word, if, that is quite frequently seen in the Old Testament, it is also in the New Testament. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're all familiar with this. 
talking about the blessings of Abraham. I like having the blessings of Abraham on my life. And then notice in verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, that's Old Testament. But are you telling me we're not required under the New Testament to listen to God and obey His voice? Amen? It's still a requirement that we are to listen to God and obey His voice. Can you say amen? Amen. So, let's see if we can find some ifs in the New Testament. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm stating these things and talking about this this morning, I want people to experience God's best. And I know most of you feel the same way. You want people to experience God's best. And if they're not, there's got to be a reason why. It's not, it's not, God's not the problem. Amen. Amen. It's like it's been said, we have discovered the enemy and it's us. <laughs> you know, you need to point your finger in your, at, in your own face and say, I've discovered my problem. It's right here. <laughs> Amen. So notice in John chapter 8 and verse 31. If thou shalt continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now notice there is a condition to freedom, according to Jesus. If you continue in my word. If you don't, then can you still expect to be free? Apparently not. Because he said, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So it's all conditional on how much time you spend in his word. Can you say amen? Amen. Little time in his word may produce little freedom. A lot of time in his word, a whole lot of freedom. More time in his word, more freedom. The more time you have in his word and the more freedom you're going to enjoy. Hallelujah. But once again, notice that little word, if, if, hallelujah. Now go to Mark chapter nine, Mark chapter nine. And look at verse 23. Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But notice that little word, if. 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 That means a condition. If you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believeth. How many of you want all things possible to you? Then it is based on... If you believe, can you say amen? Amen. 
All right. Now, let's go to the book of James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And let's look at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And then it goes on to talk about that the doer of the word shall be blessed in his deed. Now, you don't see the word if there, but it is understood. Amen. If you are a doer of the word and not a hearer only, then you shall be blessed in your deeds. Would you agree to that? If is, is understood to be there. If the condition is, if you are a doer and not just a hearer, then you're going to be blessed in all your deeds. So I want to be blessed. Anybody else want to be blessed? I want to live a blessed life. Anybody else want to live a blessed life? I want the fulfillment of God's promises in my life. And I want the fulfillment of all of God's promises in my life. Amen. I want the prophetic word to come to pass in my life. I, I want abundant overflow to be my testimony this year. I want my testimony to be, I have experienced an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. But I, I know that that is just a, a, a wish if I'm not meeting the conditions. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. Now let's go to the book of our Psalms. Psalm chapter 15. And this is something I, I ministered uh, recently in Granbury at a, at a special event. And I felt led of the Lord to share it with you this morning. Psalm 15. In verse 1, David is asking some questions here of the Lord. Lord... Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And apparently, God is answering him and saying, He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbors, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In other words, David is saying... Um, who gets to be close to you? Who, who, who has the privilege of being close to God? And then God answers him. In other words, meet these conditions. Now, let me read it to you from the message translation. I think it's quite funny. God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? <laughs> uh how do we get on your guest list? And then the answer is, walk straight, act right, tell the truth, don't hurt your friends, don't blame your neighbor, keep your word even if it hurts. Notice conditions. Anybody want to have dinner at God's house? You want to be on his guest list? The Passion Translation says it this way. Who presumes the privilege 
of being close to you, living next to you? The answer, those who are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere, always speaking truth, trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. They never listen to gossip or rumors, nor would they harm a friend with their words. They despise evil and evil workers while commending faithful or commending the faithful who follow after truth. They make firm commitments and follow through even at great cost. Well, conditions, conditions. You want to be invited to dinner at God's house? Then he says, these are the conditions. Now, Here's the Savelle paraphrase. The Savelle translation. Who has the privilege to enjoy your blessings? (laughs) Who has the privilege of enjoying your blessings? Now, when I first came to the Lord, those are are kind of questions that I had. You know, I, I, I first heard about the blessing of Abraham and that God would bless us. Through the minister of Kenneth Copeland, 1969. I didn't know anything about any of this. And at that point, I had never even heard of the phrase, the blessing of Abraham. And I, you know, we grew up in a Christian home. Went to a little country Baptist church down at the end of the road. Now, I don't remember one time. Now, my pastor may have talked about it, but I don't remember one time him ever mentioning the blessing of Abraham. I do remember him saying, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We heard that every week. And, and he was a good man. I mean, you know, uh, our pastor, Brother Jerry Smooker, <laughs> he was loved by everybody in the neighborhood. He was, just a, he was just a good man. But I don't ever remember him talking about the blessing of Abraham. I don't ever remember him talking about uh, if you be if you belong to Christ and you're Abraham's seed and entitled to the blessings. I never heard that until Kenneth Copeland came and he talked about the blessing of Abraham. And and then after I surrendered my life to the Lord and started studying it and finding out what the blessing of Abraham was, then obviously I wanted that on my life. And so I would ask the Lord certain questions like, how do you you position yourself to experience the blessing of the Lord? How do I get in on it? Now, I got in on it through what Jesus did at Calvary. Okay? That qualified me. But, But I can't live like I did when I was a sinner and expect to enjoy the blessings. So there were certain... Criteria, certain things that I needed to change in my life. And that came by the renewing of my mind through the word of God. And the more I spent time in the word of God, then I began to learn certain things about what would position me to experience God's blessings. And not just occasionally, but all the time. Live in them. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? So these are kind of questions I would ask. And then the Lord gave me a list. And this is, this is from something I learned way back in 1969. And it actually came from this psalm. Now, if you're a note taker, get ready to take some notes. 
Who gets to have dinner with God? Who gets to, who gets to be invited to his house? Or as I would say it, who gets in on his best? Okay, anybody interested in that? Yes. All right. From these verses right here in Psalm, I made this list. Integrity. Humility. Faithfulness. Uprightness. Generosity. Loyalty. And walking in love. Hallelujah. These are what I call attributes that God honors in a believer. When you have integrity. And integrity obviously means being honest and keeping your word and so forth. But integrity also includes living right. Living right. Now, I had a, a lot of preachers in this meeting that I did in Granbury uh, where I taught this. And I said to them, it's living what you preach. And all, not all preachers live what they preach. Uh, you didn't know that? <laughs> it's living what you preach. If you preach it, live it. Amen. So integrity. God expects us to, to be honest. God expects us to keep our word. Amen. And that is a, that is a major fault in the body of Christ. People don't keep their word. And in today's world, it's hard to find people with integrity. Amen. Uh, it's hard to find people in business that will keep their word. You know, when we were when we were building our ministry headquarters, Carolyn's dad came over and and, and supervised that because he was in the building business. And and I know Olin Creech; he was an honest man. And I I knew that uh, boy when Olin Creech figured a job. When he got done with it, you carried a two before off about that big. That was trash. I mean, he didn't waste any money. He didn't waste, you know what I mean? He figured it to the dime. And I knew I could trust him. I said, would you come and oversee this project? Now, he hired, you know, subs, plumbers and different ones and framers and all that to build it. But he oversaw it all. Okay. And, and some of the people that he hired, the subcontractors, were not believers. Some of them would pull up in their truck. And they, they'd come on our property. And, and they'd put their cigarettes out first. And sometimes when they got through with the job, they'd go sit in their drug, truck and drink a beer. But they didn't do it on our property. The old, old one said, no, I, I don't want that on the property. So, you know, they were not necessarily Christians. And the one person that would not keep his word was the plumber, a Christian. Remember that, Carolyn? 
He would not keep his word. And the sinners did. They did exactly what they said they'd do. They didn't change the price. (laughs) And this guy, he not only changed the price, he was stealing from us. When we could when we couldn't find certain material or something, somebody said, Oh, the plumber took it. It wasn't his to take. The guy that had the biggest problem was a Christian. Now, the guy who was uh, really in charge of the building part of it, my father-in-law oversaw it all, but the guy who was really in charge of it, he was he was not a believer. But he was an honest man. And when he finished the job, I gave him a big bonus. I said, I'm doing this because you kept your word. You think I gave the plumber a bonus? No way. (laughs) He was not an honest man. He wasn't, wasn't a man of integrity. And that's the problem with a lot of Christians today. Hold your rocks. (laughs) People don't keep their word. And particularly today in today's world, integrity is almost a lost word. It's almost a lost art, you might say. You know, my, my, my grandfather, when I was a little boy in Mississippi, he taught me about integrity when I was just a little boy. And he'd say, son, and I'd watch him enter into certain deals with, with people. And when they would make a deal, then they'd reach out and shake hands. And then after the man would leave, my grandfather turned around to me and he'd say, No, son, if you give your word to somebody and you shake hands on it, that's a contract. That's your bond. You don't need a lawyer. Amen? Amen. That's the way I was brought up. And even when I was a sinner, I was an honest sinner. (laughs) <laughs> I kept my word <laughs> when I when I owned an automotive business, and and people bring their wrecked cars in for me to repair, bring classic cars in for me to restore. I would give them an estimate, and and if they agreed to the price, then I had them sign their name on the estimate, and I signed my name, and I had a copy, and they had a copy. And many times when I'd get into the job, I realized, oh man. I overlooked this. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't figure enough on this to include that. But I was told, you swear to your own hurt. That's what my grandpa told me. You swear to your own hurt. In other words, sometimes I, I had to, uh, you know, bite the dust, so to speak, to keep my word. But I kept my word. I never called anybody and said, hey, I, I didn't figure enough in this. We're going to have to up the price. No. I just had to. I just had to bite the dust, so to speak. But I kept my word. And then when I came to work with Brother Copeland, dear Lord, I'd never seen anybody that had such a demand on keeping your word as he did. He'd, He'd say... If you tell a person you're going to meet them at 3 o'clock, don't show up at 10 after 3. You just told a 10-minute lie. I thought, wow. It's getting a little picky, isn't it? 
But, and the reason he was that way is because before Christ, he wasn't that way. <laughs> and, and he realized that if I'm going to, if I'm going to get in on God's best, I got to learn to keep my word. You know, I, I remember one time <clears throat> uh, we were, uh, we had a friend by the name of Joe Nay. And he was a preacher and he was preaching over in, in, in uh, Cleburne, Texas. And he called me one day and he said, Jerry, uh, can you come over to the meeting? Could you and Carolyn come over to the meeting? He said, man, I don't, I don't have hardly anybody showing up. And he said, man, just, just having some friends there would be a comfort. I said, yeah, we're home and, and we'd, we'll come. And so the girls were real little and they loved ices. Oh, they thought ices were invented for them. You know, you get them at the 7-Eleven though. And uh, there's always wanting an icy. And so uh, we were headed over to Cleburne. And the girls, Carolyn had them dressed real pretty, you know. And, and they said, Daddy, can we have an icy? I said, not, not on the way to church, but when we get out of church, I'll get you an icy because I don't want it getting all over your dress. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, they sitting up there in the back seat of the car and they'd see us pass seven eleven. Daddy, you're passing all the icy stores. They thought seven elevens were nothing but icy stores. I said, yeah, we passed it. I told you I'll get it for you when we get back, start back home. Oh, okay, Daddy. Well, we passed another ice store. Daddy, you're passing all the icy stores. I said, girls, I told you we would get it on the way back. Now, don't ask me again. I said, and every time you ask me again, you're calling me a liar. I said, I'd get it. And I said, in fact, if you're asleep, I'm going to wake you up, pour that icy down your throat. <laughs> Because I told you, I'd get you an icy on the way back. And then the Lord spoke up. And he said, now I'd appreciate it if you'd do the same. I said, we're not talking about me, Lord. We're talking about the girls. <laughs> I said, I told you I would supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And every time you ask me again, God, what are you going to do about this? You're calling me a liar. Caught you, didn't I? Amen. He said, every time you ask me again, you're saying, I'm not telling the truth. You're calling me a liar. And I said, forgive me, Lord. I'll never do that again. Amen. You see, I expect God to keep his word. Well, then you need to learn to keep your word. If you learn to keep your word, you won't have any problem believing God will keep his. Amen. You know, I'm talking about how do you get on, how do you get in on God's best? And I, I believe one of the first rules, if you please, is integrity. God expects integrity. Amen. Just be honest. You know, Brother Copeland used to say, if somebody asks you, would you like to go somewhere and you don't really want to, then just say no. 
And that, that ends it. He said, the Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. If you don't want to go, just tell them no. Now, they don't wait for an excuse. And don't make up one. You know, and he said, if, they're, if they insist on an excuse, just tell them, I don't want to. That's the reason I don't want to. I don't want to. Now, that's being a little blunt. You know? And, and we, we tend to want to smooth it over. Well, I have some other things to do. That was a lie. You didn't want to go. I'm going to try on this side of the auditorium. <laughs> we need to learn to keep our word. I remember one time uh, with Joe Nay, same guy. The Lord told me, to send Joe Nay some money. Actually, he told me to take it to him. But I was getting ready to leave town. And Joe Nay lived in Arlington, and we're over here in Fort Worth, and I was getting ready to leave town. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I will, I will, I will uh, mail that to him. And the Lord didn't say anything. So I proceeded to leave town. And I'm, I'm nearly to Texacana. And the Lord said, I told you to take that money over to Joe. Now, he needed it then. I said, Lord, I'll mail it to him. I'm going to spend the night in Texacana and I'll, and I'll write a check and I'll mail it to him in the morning. I'll just leave it at the front desk because back in those days, you could leave mail that you wanted to send out at the front desk. And the, you know, the mailman would come pick it up. Well, I got busy packing the car and I forgot. And I'm in Nashville now. The Lord said, I told you to send that money, to get that money to Joe Nate. Lord, I forgot. I was going to mail that this morning. He said, forget it. I'll find somebody else that will be obedient. And then he said this. The next time you ask me to supply a need and you need it right now, don't get upset when people don't obey you set the standard. I got to find a place where this is being accepted. <laughs> we don't keep our word. Then we wonder why we're not enjoying God's best. Integrity is still a condition. You don't think you can just lie about everything and expect God to bless you? Huh? Integrity. Look at your neighbor and say, just be honest. Number two, humility. Humility. The Bible says God resists the proud. God resists the proud. But he will promote the humble. Amen. Humility. That means, and I I say this to preachers from time to time, that means quit acting like you're the only one doing anything for the kingdom of God. Amen. Because some preachers have that attitude. Some preachers have the attitude, God is really fortunate to have me. 
That's not humility. <laughs> humility. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even have a brain if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't have breath if it wasn't for God. That's the reason the Bible says, uh, all, everyone who hath breath, praise the Lord. Amen. Humility. In other words, don't, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. That's what the Bible says. These are attributes, conditions, you might say, that position you to experience God's best, such as abundant overflow in 2021. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You've heard me say this before. It's a sad thing when the Bible has to ask the question, a faithful man, who can find? In other words, where do you find faithful people? When the Bible has to ask that question, that's pretty serious. Where can you find faithful people? And faithfulness is not measured over a, a few days, not even a few weeks. Amen. I've had people ask me, uh, uh, Brother Jerry, I've been tithing for three weeks now. Am I faithful? Not yet. Faithfulness is measured over a lot longer time than three weeks. Amen. I've been coming to church now for a month. Am I faithful? Not yet. How about another month? Then after that, how about another month? Then after that, how about another month? Huh? Faithfulness is measured over a long period of time. And notice the Bible says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty: a faithful man shall abound with blessings. You find someone who's abounding in blessings, then it's very easy to track why they're faithful. They're faithful. Amen. When Carol and I married July the 15th, 1966, and I said to the preacher, I do, then I was determined at that moment for the rest of my life, I would be a one woman man. I would be faithful to her. Now the first three years. Like I asked um, uh, Jesse Duplantis one time. Jesse, have you and Kathy ever considered divorce? He said, divorce? No. Murder? Yeah. Our first three years, we fought like cats and dogs. I mean, we were two little sticks of dynamite with short fuses. We both wanted our own way and we weren't willing to give in. And, and there were, you know, I mean, if I ever wanted to be unfaithful, the first three years would have been the time. But that was not a, that was not a, uh, option. When I said I do, I meant I do. I do. I'm I'm with you and it's for life. Because back then in those ceremonies, you included in life or in death. And as far as I was concerned, for life. 
And I have been faithful all these years, 54 years, and I've been faithful. There's never been another, praise God. Amen. I'm not interested in another. I don't have time for another. (laughs) I mean, I already got the best. Why would I want another? (laughs) Amen. Anybody that can put up with me, they deserve to be blessed. (laughs) So I'm not the easiest fellow to get along with. Yes, I am. I'm a sweetheart. I'm a pushover. Isn't that right, sweetheart? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Faithful. Well, see, I've been faithful to her. Why wouldn't I be faithful to God? When I said, Jesus, come into my life. That's like saying, I do. As far as I was concerned. I do. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. That means he will not share you with anybody else. I'm not willing to share her with anybody else. She's not willing to share me with anybody else. God will not accept from us a divided heart. Amen. You cannot serve God and mammon. He wants all of you or none of you. And all is best. Are you still here? We're talking about attributes that will position you to experience God's best in your life. So one of them is faithfulness. Uprightness. Living right. Amen. The the Bible is our moral guide. If you ever question if something is okay, then go to the Bible. If, if it's not okay in the Bible, then don't do it. Don't participate. Amen? If, 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 if God's against it, you become against it. Amen. Adultery? God's not in favor of that. Now, you can be forgiven. But he's not in favor of it. So why would you be in favor of it? We're talking about uprightness. Living right. Letting God's word be your moral compass. Amen. And if I see it in the word that it's not right in God's eyes, then as far as I'm concerned, it's not right in Jerry Savelle's eyes either. And I'm not going to participate. That's like right now, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of goofy things going on in ministries, drinking, carousing. I've gone to churches where they get upset because I won't drink with them, have wine with them. And, and they think I'm, you know, being holier than thou. No. Jesus said he would not partake of the fruit of the vine until we all join him in heaven. I like the way Brother Copeland said, if he's going to lay off the stuff, I'm going to lay off of it. (laughs) 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 Only Brother Copeland would come up with it. (laughs) 
I mean, I've, I've actually been to churches where the pastor get upset because I wouldn't have wine with the meal. That's good. That's good. I, I'm not interested in that. Yes. I, I remember I was in I was in Scotland one time, and I went there. Joe and I went there because the pastor was interested in us. Uh, birthing a Bible school in his church. And so we went there to preach and then uh, talk to him about using our curriculum in his Bible, in, in his church. Well, he took us out. I think you were with me, Joe. Uh, he took us out to lunch and he ordered a pitcher of beer. Remember that? A pitcher of beer and three glasses. And he started pouring the beer in the glass and pushed one over to me, pushed one over to Joe, pushed one over, you know, filled his glass up, started drinking it. And of course, Joe and I didn't drink it. And he said, uh, do you guys have a problem with the beer? I said, yeah. well, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. He said, oh, Brother Jerry, uh, over here, it's like drinking water. Oh, really? I mean, we... we we do that all the time. I said, well, what happened to all things are new? Old things passed away. Well, he didn't like that at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking his beer away from him, you know. But he answered my question. No, I, yeah, I'm not letting you have my curriculum. Because I'm not going to put my curriculum in your school because it'd be an endorsement to your lifestyle. And I'm not doing that. Thank you very much. Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be condemning. But right is right and wrong is wrong. Amen. People wonder why they're not blessed and why they're not enjoying God's best. We need to go back to the Bible. Living right. Living right. Look at your neighbor and say, living right. This is not rocket science. Just living right. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? All right, now. Uh, generosity. Generosity. Now, their Bible, the Bible is full of scriptures about how that being generous toward others, being generous with your resources, your finances, will position you to experience more and more of the blessings of God. In fact, go with me to Proverbs chapter 11. And I'm skimming over this quickly because of time, but you've got, you've got the notes there, so you study it on your own. Proverbs 11. And look at verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And the word fat here in the literal Hebrew means prosperous. The liberal soul shall be made prosperous. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So the Bible teaches generosity. 
In fact, you remember from Genesis chapter 12, which we started this with, God not only said, I will bless thee, but thou shalt be a blessing. And that's generosity. In other words, sharing your blessings. When you're blessed, then you're able to share your blessings with others. Generosity. It's all over the Bible. Give and it shall be given unto you. Amen. Takers only never experience God's best. It's givers that do. It's the generous that do. If you're never giving and blessing and you're always looking to receive, but you're never on the giving end, then it's not likely you'll ever tap into the higher dimension of God's blessings. But if you're generous, if you're if you live to give, then there's no way that you will not experience the blessings of God in their fullness. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Loyalty. 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 That's another word that is almost lost in today's society. People are not loyal. They're not loyal to family. They're not loyal to, to their boss. They're not loyal to God. I mean, loyalty is just not a word that you hear much about anymore. Loyalty. I don't know. I don't know why I have been this way all my life. Even before I became a believer. It's just something in me that I want to be loyal. I've, I've been loyal to my friends. It's been said. You make Jerry Savelle your friend, you got a friend for life. I didn't, I didn't say that. Other people I've heard say it. You make Jerry Savelle a friend and he'll be your friend for life. I'm a lifer. Amen. I'm a lifer. You don't think working with, serving Brother Copeland for 51 of my 52 years of ministry doesn't uh, speak loudly loyalty? Loyalty? And when I entered into my 50th year, the Lord said, now go back to your roots and you serve Brother Copeland and tell him that You'll do anything he needs you to do. Go anywhere he needs you to go and tell him that you'll pay your own expense. You don't want an offering for it. So I went to him in my 50th year and told him, well, he was just overwhelmed by it. So I went to all of his meetings. I said, I don't have to preach. I'm just there to serve. He said, you're not going to be in my meetings and not preach. And so he'd pre- have me preach in the morning service, help me do the, help him do the healing school. And not one time has he paid my way. And not one time have I received an offering. Because I'm, I'm, I'm loyal. Yes, yes. Amen. And then after that 50th year, the Lord said, now tell him you're willing to do this for the rest of your life. And so now, before I set my schedule... I find out what his schedule is first and make sure I get it on my calendar before I do anything for Jerry Savelle Ministries. And you know what's happened? 
I've never been more blessed. I've never been more blessed. Hallelujah. Last year was, was the finest year we've ever had in 51 years of ministry. Praise God. And I've been sowing and giving and blessing and, 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 and demonstrating loyalty. And God honors it. I want to ask the question again. God, who gets to have dinner at your house? <laughs> who gets invited to your house? In other words, how do you get in on your best? These are the attributes. Amen. And then finally, walking in love. Walking in love. My, my, my. Isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, by your faith, well, all men know you're my disciples. He said, by your love. By your love. This, this is the, the most outstanding characteristic of a Christian in the mind of Jesus. Their love for one another. And isn't it amazing that the world by and large has not been able to point us out in the crowd by our love, but by our strife with one another, our divisions. Amen. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your love. Amen. Just look at somebody and say, by faith, I love you. <laughs> now you may have had to say that by faith. You know? <laughs> love. That's good, brother. Love you one another. The Bible says. Faith worketh by love. And says, love never fails. Can you say amen? amen? So, I just want to help you out. And, 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 and help you get in position to experience God's best. These are attributes that I learned way back in 1969. I've been practicing them every, ever since. And, consequently, I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. I, I thank God for teaching me these things and, and showing me how to incorporate them and, and appropriate them. And he has always honored it. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the word that I've delivered this morning has lodged in the heart of every person who heard it. Not only here in this building, but those are, are watching by live stream. That it has been a word in season. That it's helped answer some questions, perhaps as to why I'm not experiencing God's best. Why am I not experiencing abundant overflow? Why am I not having an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God? Well, in the name of Jesus, I believe if, if they will take to heart these things and practice developing these attributes, then from this day forward, they're going to enter into a higher dimension 
of the blessings of God on their lives. Higher dimension of the blessings of God on their businesses, on their families, and in everything they do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for it and we bless you for it. Come on, give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now smile real big at somebody and say, now if you'll practice those things, it'll do you good. Hallelujah. Amen.